welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Rail Delivery Group's Big Conversations podcast. Now, in this, we're going to be chatting to leading minds across British industry about how we can reconnect the UK in a post-pandemic world. I'm your host today. I'm Robert Nisbet. I'm the Director of Nations and Regions at RDG, often the spokesperson uh, for the railway. And today I'm going to be speaking to Joe Corson, who is the CEO of the Institute of Customer Service. And we're going to be talking about how the customer of the future is expected to change and how we can rise to the challenge of adapting to meet their needs. So, Joe, thanks very much indeed for joining me. So I'm going to ask you for a little uh, bit of an introduction, first of all, for those that don't know the ICS, what do you do? So in a nutshell, the Institute, the Institute of Customer Service is here to help organisations to get better at customer experience and customer service. Because what we're about is helping organisations to understand why customer service is so important and the impact that it actually has on their economic well-being. So their financial performance as an organisation, the levels of trust and reputation that they can generate, from delivering great customer service, and of course, the link to employee engagement. So for me, Robert, the whole subject area is not just about being nice or doing the right thing. It actually also has a huge economic driver uh, for the UK and for organisations and, of course, colleagues that work in those organisations. And when we use the word customer, are we talking about individuals? In, in this case, are we talking about individual people that say walk into John Lewis and buy a jumper or, or is customer a, a kind of a broader term than that? Can it mean businesses as well? Absolutely. And really good point. And it's a much broader term. If you think about it, we're all part of an ecosystem. So at some point, and I remember very early, early on in my career, you know, the whole thing is, is you need to be serving somebody who will be serving somebody who will be serving somebody and then ultimately a customer. So this is about the whole customer experience, the whole chain, and that can be consumers, it can be citizens, it can be tenants, it can be passengers, and it can certainly also be business. So we are, as an organisation, a B2B to C organisation. Terrific. So I suppose before we get on to the, the customer of the future, we need to, to look at the customer of the present. And uh, I'm sure you've done work around transport, public transportation, maybe even the railways. Um, what can we say about the customer of the of the present? Can, can we can we draw a thumbnail sketch or, or is it too broad for that? I think it's a really interesting uh, question and subject area. We do something, Robert, called the UK Customer Satisfaction Index, and it looks at what's important to customers. And I'm really interested in those drivers. So pre-pandemic, before if we can remember that far back, the sorts of things that are important to customers, whatever really age or economic background, are the following. Is that organisation easy to do business with? Does that organisation care about me? Does that organisation deliver on its promises? So the the customer experience, is it what I expected it to be? If I have a problem or a complaint, how is that dealt with and how am I made to feel as part of that? And do I feel that the organisation has a significant number of uh, well-qualified, professional, well-trained individuals inside it? So for me, there are, a, I suppose, a, a number of key things that are really important to delivering brilliant customer service. And they can probably be summed up as, as the following. Professional, 
and competent staff that care. Uh, secondly, around how easy that organisation is to interact with in a way that I want to interact with it. The product service experience, uh, if there's a problem or a complaint, how that's dealt with, not just the outcome of it, but how you made me feel. Timeliness. And then more recently, certain things are coming in, which are much softer elements, but are really important. Do I think this organisation is ethical? Do I think this organisation has a green agenda? Do I think this organisation really cares about me and they communicate well? So it's a combination, really, Robert, of what we would call functional things. Does the train arrive on time? But also some more greater things around how that experience feels to me. It's definitely both of those areas that are really important. And I suppose the customers will have different expectations. If you are a, a commuter and, you know, we tend to think of the average customer of the, of the railway, for example, as I mean, I, I know bowler hats are, uh, are obviously the last century, but we tend to think of those middle class, uh, kind of middle aged white men getting on from Crawley or Purley or other places in the, in the commuter belt and going into the centre of London, for example. Um, would they be looking if they still exist? And I'm sure they're not wearing bowler hats, but obviously we still have that commuter cohort, which is very important to the railway. Are they going to be looking for different things from uh, the family who are travelling up to the Lake District for, for holiday? Or do, do you think that there is a, like a shaded bit in the Venn diagram? I think there's always going to be a shaded bit in, in the Venn diagram. I mean, if you think about even within the commuter field, the diversity uh, of customers that are actually now travelling and potentially who could travel as well. Because I think the question is, is why perhaps people are not always using uh, the rail uh, sector or, or public uh, transport to travel is a quite an interesting question. So for me, there are some givens. You know, there are some things that I would automatically expect in terms of travelling. Frankly, whether I was on holiday, I might be a bit less stressed and I might have a bit more time, but there's still certain things that I would expect. So quality, cleanliness, safety are all givens. Then They are what I would call hygiene factors, uh, making sure that I can have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, a seat even. You know, those are the things that I would expect, whether I am a commuter or whether I am travelling for holiday. So let's look at some of those p potential customer concerns that you've raised. I mean, reassurance and, and safety obviously are, are critically important. And I suppose at the moment, safety has taken on almost a, a new meaning, hasn't it, in, in uh, when you're travelling anywhere um, I suppose it's not just the safety of the service that you're taking but it's uh, the potential to catch a virus I mean that that is a, a safety factor that uh, the rail industry I mean we've been taking it very seriously with our with our safer travel pledge and obviously been doing a lot more in terms of cleaning stations and trains for example but we're really going to have to get that message out aren't we if we want to reassure customers that it is safe to travel Absolutely. I mean, if you think about so what's happened since the pandemic, I mean, it takes a long time to change consumer and customer behaviour. But one of the things that we're certainly seeing what's become more important to customers during this time is uh, that whole sense of uh, quality and safety information and advice. So if you think about this, this sector is really important, has a huge opportunity you know, to really drive those points home. And there has been some great practice uh, throughout the pandemic, you know, of a number of uh, rail operators really going out and making it very clear 
high, as you said, um, a lot of time being spent on cleanliness, a lot of time in terms of getting that message out, but absolutely making me feel safe and those that I care about uh, feeling safe is a really important aspect. The other thing that's happened during the pandemic is we care much more about things that are close or local to us. So there's going to be some interesting things that I do think will change. You know, are we likely we talked about commuting, but are we likely to be getting on the train? I don't think we're going to be getting on the train or in, even in our cars five days a week to travel to an office anymore. So there's some changes in consumer and customer behaviour over and above about how often we're going to the office. We know from our own information about 20% of uh, commuters or people going back to the office, only about 20% want to go back to the office full time. Another 20% never want to go. And the rest of us want a hybrid arrangement. So it's not just about that whole kind of physically getting on the train. It's about the connected thing to my place of work. Because I don't see, if I was honest, a mass return five days a week to our office environments. So that suggests uh, that what we need is a much more kind of flexible fares and ticketing system that doesn't necessarily bind people into season tickets, for example, um, because you're suggesting, and, and it seems from the research, that the idea of people automatically returning to that you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five grind is likely not to happen. Therefore, we need to start looking at solutions for people who, who may ha- have a much more flexible approach to commuting. Completely. I mean, I think if it's really interesting, some of this, to be honest with you, Robert, what's happening prior to uh, COVID? You know, there was an increase of a lot of people working from home on Fridays. I mean, you know, that has been with us for a little while, but this is quite fundamental. And I think this whole thing around flexibility so traveling when I want to travel, uh, not traveling in peak hours. And if you think about this, the pandemic is still, even when we get back to some form of more normality, that's still going to be with us. So people are not going to want to get on crowded trains and people are not going to necessarily want to travel and shouldn't be probably traveling in peak times or what has to, uh, traditionally been peak times. So flexibility and the ability to be quite agile with these things, I think, is growing in importance. Because people do still want to spend time together. One of the the human conditions, one of our behaviours is we like to feel connected. And actually, if you think about it, what is the railway all about? It's about connecting, whether that's through work or social or a whole kind of combination. But it needs to be flexible. It needs to be in a way that I can uh, choose that. And that may well be different patterns of travel, different hours of travel, uh, different days of the week even. Uh, you know, I can definitely see that or even hours. You know, some people may actually choose to, you know, be coming back late at night, very late at night or starting later in the day. But significantly more and more people will be working from home. And I think that whole thing around local is really also quite interesting. So maybe journey times will get shorter. So maybe we'll want to work in regional hubs. So I think there's a big question about what do we want? It's not, you know, maybe we won't commute for two hours. We, what we've learned is that that has uh, you know, quite a big issue in terms of our productivity while sitting on a, a train uh, you know, commuting, whereas actually we do still want to go somewhere, but we don't want to travel for that length of time. So there's some quite big structural changes I think we need to think about, as well as things like flexible ticketing, uh, different timetables, uh, making sure we've got enough room, etc. 
And while we're talking about the the impact of the virus, I mean, one of the positive aspects I remember back in the summer, you know, you and this is you know people's observation from around their their houses, for example, or going out into the countryside, that the air seemed cleaner because. We weren't all uh, getting into cars and maybe factories weren't running at 100% capacity and the air seemed to be cleaner. And I think, you know, that there is a role, obviously, for, for the railway to really kind of burnish those credentials. And I know it's become a bit of a cliche when, when we talk about build back better. It's a phrase you hear a lot uh, from, uh, from the government. But there is the potential here to, to look at the environment uh, post-pandemic as well. Absolutely. And again, Robert, you know, our research, we, we've just published a big piece of research on the green agenda and we've actually called it green goes mainstream because you know again historically this might have been seen as perhaps some of the a csr agenda or uh, perhaps marketing the very truth of it is as customers and consumers now 20 percent of us uh, want to will only buy a product or a service where we actually believe that the organization has genuine green credentials so there's a huge opportunity uh, for you know, the railway industry to help people to do the right thing. And that's come up quite a lot as well, around, uh, particularly around the green agenda, the general sense that actually I want to be more green as a customer and a consumer, but I need an organisation to help me. And of course, you know, the rail authority, there's a great opportunity, as far as I'm concerned, to really lead on this and to really demonstrate um, you know, as you said, the term building back better, because it certainly has become something that is far more important to us as consumers. And an interesting word you use there, genuine as well. I mean, do, do you think that customers are becoming much more savvy uh, when uh, perhaps companies are trying to pull the wool over their eyes and doing, I know, what's the, the phrase, greenwashing or pinkwashing? And, 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 you know, we have all of those words now. So people are looking for authenticity in these statements. Totally. And another thing that has come up actually through the whole of the pandemic is about where organisations have done the right thing, where organisations have demonstrated that they care, where organisations have uh, acted with high integrity, communicated well, outreached and not done uh, what we call PR campaigning, but really try to understand what it feels like for the customer and the consumer. They have done well. And this is a really good example of this. We are much less tolerant. We're going to have less monies in our pockets. We're going to have a much more polarised society. Uh, you know, there will be some people that will have um, more money, uh, but there is also a huge sway of, of the population that are going to be have a pretty challenging time economically. And therefore, you know, we're more likely to use social media. We're more likely to share our experiences. So trust, reputation, doing the right thing, whether that's on the green agenda or more broadly, is absolutely critical. One of the things I would say to any business, you know, we know, Robert, where organisations really focus on the customer experience and really focus on it and get it really, really strong across the whole of the organisation, not just in the customer front-facing teams or the servicing team, but the, the culture of the organisation is genuinely customer-centric. That's where you start to see much higher customer satisfaction levels. So where an organisation is scoring, say, a 9 out of 10, they will have a 50% higher level of trust rating and reputation rating. 
And this really matters as we go forward. So helping organisations to really prioritise that overall customer experience, I don't think has ever been more important. And we have a real opportunity, as you said, to get this right and to really think about what our customers want and how we can deliver that. Really fascinating. You're listening to the Rail Delivery Group's Big Conversations podcast, where we're joined by Joe Causen, who is the CEO of the Institute of Customer Service, talking about how the pandemic will change and shape customer behaviour. So we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, who is the customer? And uh, we were talking about how it isn't necessarily an individual, but it can also be a, a business as well. So how do you think uh, businesses as customers will want to see the railway change uh, after the pandemic? Is it just about um, being more flexible when it comes to commuting or are there other elements that need to be considered as well, do you think? I think there are other elements because from a business point of view, if you think about what we're trying to do as businesses, you know, we really care about our purpose, why we're relevant and the impact that we're trying to create. And businesses are only successful if their employees are well engaged, turn up, in a positive frame of mind, feel connected to that business. Now, if you arrive late, if you arrive stressed, if you arrive at all of those other sorts of kind of things, it matters to your level of productivity. So I think there's a huge link here for, um, I guess, the railway uh, to think about, about how you really help that connectedness. And I've kind of touched on it a little bit before, really, Robert, but what we've seen through the pandemic is much more closer to home, the importance of community, and actually even for businesses too. So being building much closer in my local community, being part of that community, of work being part of that hub uh, where you bring people together, I think is really, really important. And again, so I think of the uh, of transport, if you like, as a, as a massive opportunity to connect. So they're not singular uh activities and, and one of the things I was thinking about is when I go you know how it's not just about getting on the train it's about when I get off the train the other end is there good access to uh, uh bicycles is there good access to a taxi service is there good access to the uh, the bus service so this whole kind of sense of connected stuff you know can I drop my family or my children off at the crash how can the the um be more than just taking somebody from A to B. Because as a business, I need my people in the best possible frame of mind they can be, bringing all of themselves to work, not stressed, not worrying about whether they're going to catch that train home, not worrying about um, you know how they're going to do things. So yes, business really, really matters. And the Rail Authority has a huge opportunity to be bring people closer together, I would argue, but it's much less, I think. I don't think it's going to be about charging across huge commutes. I think there's a, a, a real opportunity to build that locally. And well. it's interesting when you're talking about uh, the, the customer experience. You're, you're right. And I think we as an industry have got to remember that it isn't just when the customer gets on the train. It's when the customer's thinking about their journey, the kind of journey they want to make and the information they may want before they even leave the house to get to the station. And then at the other end as well, it's that the, the customer experience doesn't just stop and start uh, on the train. It's it's a much kind of longer journey uh, than than that. And I think you you raised a little bit earlier on about this idea of of stations becoming like almost community hubs. 
Um, I mean, we, we've obviously seen, you know, the, the retail offerings in, in stations become much more sophisticated. Um, but do you think that stations could become even more than just a, a shopping centre where you can get on and off a train? Absolutely, because if you think about this, uh, about feeling connected, if you think about what connected means and being a place to be able to draw, I suppose, numbers of different, you know, your banking, your uh, your childcare, your retail. You know, if you're thinking about as I pass through that, what do I want? You know, we, we all live busy lives. So therefore reducing uh, stress, reducing uh, challenges around all of that, making it easy for me is a really important um, uh, dimension of this. And of course, we've got the whole kind of playing of physical versus digital too. And you've touched on this about information. It's not just information about whether my train is late. Can you provide information about that ongoing service? Can you provide uh, connections to, um, you know, actually what that might mean somewhere else down the line? Because I'm very struck, I guess, Robert, when, when you book a holiday, you know, say you book a cruise and you go on your cruise, everything is integrated. So, you know, your flight, your taxi to the airport, all of those sorts of things. If one part of that journey does not go well, then we tend to remember the whole thing not going well. And I think that's one of the biggest things about that we're living in such a much more uh, connected uh, environment and therefore thinking about the whole end-to-end. So the moment I leave my door, all the way through to wherever my destination is and how can uh, you know, you add real value to every single step of that way, which is quite different to thinking about I transport, uh, you know, person A to, to uh, station Z or whatever. You know, it, it's much bigger than that. It's about the whole experience whilst on the train, but also around that. And I think, uh, you know, connectivity, collaboration are the sort of things which I think people are expecting far more of. And I suppose technology has increased the ability to kind of personalise the customer experience. And you were touching on it just then. So, you know, most of the train operating companies have, have their apps. National Rail Inquiries is, uh, is, is on an app now as well. But that's becoming more sophisticated with services like ZipAbout, uh, where you can text the train you're, you're going to be travelling and it will text you back if there's a problem before you even leave the house. So, so do you think customer expectation is kind of growing because people are now I- expecting this personalised service, which, which makes it harder, I suppose, for, for people who are delivering customer service to make sure uh, that, they, that they kind of stay on top of the technology as it improves? Uh, absolutely. Certainly our expectations are definitely raised. But I would argue that in some ways it doesn't make it harder because actually it should reduce uh, you know, issues and challenges. If you think about what people mostly complain about, people mostly complain about, I haven't had information, I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> One thing that the pandemic has done is where, again, organisations have been proactive with that. They've shared information, they've gone out and said, look, this is our particular challenge or problem at the moment, but this is what we're doing about it. Most of us are are quite reasonable. So I think there's a really interesting part that tech can play about, you know, uh, being proactive in pushing messages out and then getting into much better dialogue about situations. Because I think at the end of the day, we're trying to make lives easier, aren't we? So the thing for me is about, yes, it does need to be personalised. Yes, I do need to understand that. But the tech already exists with that. And 
And I think if you want to encourage people to really engage and really leave their front door, then we do need to make this easy. So interesting. And just a final thought from you, um, you know, in the, the bigger picture sphere, I suppose. I mean, can can transport's role in supporting an economic recovery, which is obviously going to be crucial because, you know, people need to get into these town centres and these city centres that have been so suffering, the, the, the businesses, uh, because of the, of the pandemic. So, you know, the, the railway will be playing a very big part in, in, in injecting, you know, kind of more adrenaline back into, uh, into the economy when we're in a, in a position to recover. But do you think that, that that role should be delivered from Whitehall? I, I think you've touched on a little bit earlier on, or, or does it need to be more local? Is that what we need to be focusing on now, kind of local communities? I think you probably, without sitting on the fence, Rob, we probably need to do both. Because one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking was that, you know, this thing around connectivity, there certainly is a growth in local, you know, and making sure that things uh, feel connected and my community. And there's definitely been a growth in my community and seeing that um, do well and this whole idea of hub. But I think also in terms of, you know, across the nation, making sure that things are really joined up. If I want to travel from Scotland to the south of England, yeah, that needs to be really straightforward. I need to buy one ticket. I don't want to be you know, having multiple tickets. I want to ensure that it's the best price. I want to ensure that actually it runs as smoothly as possible. So for me, it is local, but it's also that ability to be able to connect. And I think the big word for me is about connection, whether that's through work or work and play, you know, through the social elements. So looking at both, I think, is going to be very important. But making it easy making good advice, uh, helping me to navigate this in the best way possible has got to be the future. And just thinking a bit bolder, you know, and, and a bit braver, because as we said, we're not going to go back. I honestly do not believe we will go back to how we were. We are 12 months next month in terms of how long we have been operating the way that we actually are. We have less monies, we're more choosy, and we have more options And I think that's the other side. You know, I don't have to commute now. I can actually uh, sit in my front room and have a conversation as I'm doing with you now. So if we explore that, what would encourage me to get back on that train? Well, making it easy for me, making it connected and making me be able to see people, uh, you know, it's got to be one of those kind of key drivers. Um, So there's huge opportunities, but I think we just need to be a bit more thoughtful about how we make that. Uh, effective and efficient for people. Thank you so much. Joe Causen, CEO of the Institute of Customer Service. Thanks very much indeed for joining our Big Conversations podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Big Conversations podcast. In other episodes, we'll be having a deeper look at some of the themes brought up today, such as driving a green recovery, what next for our high streets and cities, and the government's levelling up agenda. I'll be speaking to industry leaders, policy experts, scientists and campaigners to explore the challenges and opportunities in reconnecting Britain. Follow us on the Rail Delivery Group social media channels where you'll be able to find all of our podcasts. But until next time, goodbye.